The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you have your Bibles, you can uh, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. And then also, uh, we're going to go to Acts chapter 2 a little bit later. So Genesis chapter 1 is where we'll start. And then we'll go to Acts chapter 2. You know, I know I read from Genesis 1 a lot, but there's so much in in Genesis 1 and in understanding how God started things that help us to understand how he wants things to be. And in the beginning, he established some things in the world that was his ideal of what he wanted for us. And because of Jesus, we can have those things again. And so today we're, we're entering into this series called Community. And this series is about us connecting together at deeper levels. Uh, as we move into a year, I, I don't think there's a better thing than we could do as a church than for us to lock arms together and do this thing called being the church uh, with re- relationally like God has intended for us to do. Because I want you to understand something today. We are better together. We are. In fact, turn to the person beside you, look them in the eyes and say, we are better together. We really are. God intended for us to be in community together. And and I'm so excited because this month uh, we are going to be launching new song groups. And I, I really believe that God wants to do some things through these groups that will take your life to a whole new level. It's going to be amazing. But we, we're better together. And, and, and you need to understand something. You know, there's a lot of things in this world uh, that can stand alone. And, and, you know, there's things, I think of things like the Eiffel Tower, right? You see the Eiffel Tower, and, you know, it, it stands alone. It looks good. It, it, you, it's impressive. Uh, I think of things like the Washington Monument. If you've ever been to the Washington Monument, you see some of these things, and you're just you're kind of taken back by what, what people have done and these things that are created uh, there's things in nature that we see, like the Grand Canyon. Uh, I, I remember going to the Grand Canyon as a kid, and it, it's, this, um, it's, it's unreal. It's amazing to see the Grand Canyon in, in real life. And when you see it, you don't look at it and go, you know, it's cool, but it would be a lot better if there was like two of these, right? You don't think that. It's, it's, it stands alone on its own. And there's a lot of things in this world that can do that. There's things that can stand alone. But listen, those are... Those are things. And, and me and you are not things, okay? We are beings. And, and we were not designed to stand alone. Uh, me and you were created, most of you know, in the image of God. And when we, when we look at the image of God, uh, you'll, hopefully you'll see some things today that will help you understand that we were designed to be a part of community. So I have five points for you today, if you're taking notes, five things that we're going to look at that I think equal us being better together. And, and for the whole series, the next four weeks, that's kind of the big picture thing. We are better together. And I want to give you five things today that, that equal us being better together. Okay, so first thing you understand is this. God created us from community. God created us from community. You know, relationships are at the core of who we are and how we were created to be. You know, Genesis chapter 1, I had you turn there. And, and if you, we read this together, we're going to look at this in just a second. As you look at this, we kind of get a glimpse into the creation process. 
and what God was thinking when he, when he made mankind and when he created the world and created the earth. And in verse 26, you're going to see something in a second that maybe you've never seen before. We, most of us understand that we were made in the image of God, but I don't think we always understand that what the image of God really was. So let's look at this together. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says this. Then God said, let us... Okay, if you have a real Bible with you today, like a physical Bible, underline or highlight us. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God's given us authority over the creeps, praise God. Amen. All right. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. Now we get that part, right? He's created us in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay, so we see in the scripture that God created man and put him on this earth and he he created him in the image of God and he gave him authority in this image. But what's interesting is at the very beginning, notice it says, then God said, let us make man in our image. Now notice he doesn't say, I'm going to make man in my image. God is talking to somebody. There's a a conversation. He's saying, let us make man in our image. So so the question that arises is, who is he talking to? Is he talking to the angels? Well, no, he's not talking to the angels. Because we, we know from scripture that the angels are not made in the image of God. Um, so then who else could he be talking to? Well, he's not, obviously not talking to the heavenlies or to the planets and things like that, because that, none of us look like the heavenlies or the planets. Um, so, so who's he talking to? Well, this is who he's talking to. He's talking to himself. Now, so you know, um, normally that would be weird, right? Like for us, we all kind of get, or hopefully we get, that to talk to yourself is a little strange, right? When we see somebody, you're walking down the street, you see a guy, he's talking, no one's around him, we kind of take the wide angle on that person, right? Because that's not normal to be talking to yourself. But listen, God can do this, and it's not abnormal at all, because God is not a singular person. He is a community, and God is, is the Bible, we know from Bible, from the context of Scripture, that, that God is a trinity. He is the Father, He is the Son, and He is the Holy Spirit. And, and these three things are co-equal in what's called the Godhead. And they all exist individually, but they exist as one. And there's really, it's kind of hard to, to define this in our natural kind of thinking. But, but God is three persons, but they exist in one. They function as one together. And so God himself is a community, which is interesting because, you know, God created everything. And and we need to understand today that before there was planets, before there was stars in the sky, before anything else existed, there was God and there was community. It existed in God in his person. And so notice, here we are in the scripture, and and God is creating things. He's put the fish in the sea and created them. He's he's made the animals. He's made the earth. He's formed all these things and put them all together. And and now he stops, and he does something he has not done the whole time. He stops, and he, he begins to make this declaration of, let us make man in our image. And it becomes a plural concept. 
So you need to understand something. You were made in the image of community. You were made in the image of a plural God. And because of that, that that goes to point number two. Because God made you in his image, you were made from God, God created us for community. We were created for community. And you need to understand something. When you are functioning in community, you look the most like your heavenly trinity God that created you. When you are living in a community of of people where it's not just you trying to go at it alone, but it's you having relationships with other people, with spouses, with friends, and going about your life with open arms, welcoming others in, that looks like the image of God. Now, you parents can relate to this today. If you have little kids, um, you know, when when you have little kids, what's interesting is with your children, you'll see in your kids images of yourself from time to time. Anybody can relate to me on this? Now, I have three little kids, and my daughter, Sunny, her, you know, her name is Sunny, right? And she is sweet as she can be. She really is. Um, she's our third child, and God gave us grace with her. She's the sweetest little baby. She's really obedient. She goes down for naps really good. She's just amazing. Uh, but one of the things about her that's interesting is when she is thinking, when she's concentrating, when she's sometimes even having fun, She frowns. So she'll be watching TV and watching a show that she likes, and and you'll see her on the couch, and she's just glaring at the TV. Or she'll be coloring, and in a little playroom, she's got her little colors out, and she's just glaring at it. And what's interesting is people will see her doing that, and they'll go, man, she looks just like her dad. And and let me just tell you, I know it to be true. I remember growing up, um, I would have people just walk up to me all the time, and they were like, hey, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Why? Well, you look angry. I'm not angry. What are you talking about? And Sarah talked about this. Like, she saw me, and I looked like I had a chip on my shoulder, and I was angry. And I did have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, but I wasn't angry. Um, I have this thing, and you, some of you can see it, but I have a fairly heavy brow, right? You can probably see that. I call it, I, I lovingly refer to it as my Frankenbrow, a little bit of Frankenstein there. But because of that, um, I can look a little ticked off sometimes. And I'm not, I'm really not, I, I, you know, but, but I'll be walking through the halls of the church and I've actually talked to our team about this. I've said, hey, if you see me walking around, I look kind of angry, just be like, hey, smile, you know, Cause I, but I'm not angry, I'm just thinking. And I'll be thinking about something and I'm like, mm, okay, but I look furious, but I'm not. And, and what's interesting is I have this little baby named Sunny <laughs> and she does the same thing. And it's, it's cute and you see it and you see that in your child, you see your image. And I say all that to say this, when you are in community, when you are functioning in godly community, and people see you from the outside, what they see is the image of God. What they see is your heavenly Father's image on this earth, that the Trinity being carried out. And let me just tell you that that is not normal, and we'll, we'll explain that more in a little bit. But God created you for community, and in community, you look like God, and you get to carry out his purpose. And so that moves us on to point number three. And point number three is this. Outside of community equals not good. Outside of community equals not good. Look at this. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. God is, is looking at his creation. Now, get this with me. This is important for you to see today. Very important. And, and God has created the earth, and he's created man at this point. Now, God doesn't make mistakes. We all know that. 
And the world at this point is without sin. Uh, It's a perfect world. It really is. It's a perfect world. Everything is perfect, including mankind. And we know that God and man have a relationship together. We see that in the context of Scripture. And so what we have here is we have Adam in a perfect world who is perfect himself with a perfect relationship with God. And look at what God says about this, okay? Genesis 2, verse 18. And the Lord said, it is not good. Do you get that? Now, let me just go back again. Perfect world, perfect everything, perfect man God and man in a perfect relationship. And God looks at that and says, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. That's amazing. You know, I I meet people from time to time and you've probably met people like this. Maybe you've even thought this before. You know, I've got God on my side. And as long as I've got God, I can take on anything. I don't need anybody. If I've got God... Everything is good. And let me just tell you that you can have a relationship with God and that be it and and still, and that be okay. But listen, God says that's not good. It's not good. I mean, it's it's doable, but it's not his best. And here's, here's Adam with perfect everything. Now, how much more, think about this, how much more if Adam had perfect relationship with God, perfect world, perfect everything, and he needed relationship with others, how much more did me and you? Uh, I, was, I was reading this week, and I, I read this stat about how social psychologists have looked at the worst forms of punishment that you can put on a person, that a person can endure. And they actually discovered that a death penalty of some kind is really not the worst form of punishment that you can put on somebody because with the death penalty, there's death and then it's over. But actually the worst form of of punishment that you can dish out to somebody is to put them in solitary confinement, to to put them in in a situation where you lock them up and isolate them from other human contact. But that is... Is a, is a form of torture. Because why? Because we were created to be in relationship. It's how we were hardwired. Over Christmas break, uh, me and Sarah decided one night to, to watch a movie. And it was, it, we were wrapping presents and kind of doing the Christmas stuff. But you know, you get to that point in Christmas where you kind of get tired of Christmas movies and we kind of wanted a break from that. And so we decided to watch a movie that we had first seen um, at around the Christmas time, years before. In fact, me and Sarah really began our relationship dating uh, in, in kind of late November, December, 13 years ago. And during that time, we saw this movie. It's a movie called Castaway, and it's got Tom Hanks in it. And so we put this movie on and started watching it, and it was so fitting for the series because as I'm watching it, you know, you see the story of this guy, and he's, he works for FedEx, and he's pretty high up in the company, and he's, he's a mover and a shaker. He, you know, he's, he's really, seems like he's got good relationships, good people skills, and he's, he's traveling, and as he's traveling, he, his plane crashes into the ocean, and he ends up stranded on a desert island all by himself, isolated, alone, with, with nobody else. And over the course of time, because of the isolation, he actually finds himself befriending a volleyball that he calls Wilson. And it's interesting because you're watching this movie and and you're seeing Tom Hanks. It's really great acting because he's talking to a volleyball, 
right? Which is crazy. And then there's like, he'll pause and kind of like the volleyball's responding to him, but there's no dialogue coming from the volleyball, right? But he's like having arguments and having fights with the volleyball, an inanimate object, but it's all he has. And, and so he's having these conversations and you see him getting close. You see there's a couple of instances where he almost loses Wilson and he gets really worried about it. And so finally the movie progresses and, and Tom Hanks gets off the island. He finds a way to build a raft and get outside of the tide and now he's in open ocean. And there's a scene where he's, he's on this raft and he's got Wilson tied up and he's asleep. And you see Wilson come loose of the raft and begin to float out into the open ocean. A few minutes later, Tom Hanks wakes up and he begins to look for Wilson and Wilson is nowhere to be found. And he looks in the distance and he sees Wilson floating away. And in that moment, he begins to do everything he can to go get Wilson. In fact, almost risking his life, risking his life he jumps into open ocean and begins to swim towards this and he realizes that he's about to, to die if he keeps pursuing this volleyball and so he goes back to the raft and, and there's a scene where he's laying on this raft and he is just weeping uncontrollably because his volleyball friend has floated away. Now we, and what's, what's amazing about this scene is, is you watch it and as crazy as it is, you watch it and it's like a powerful scene, like really great acting. I mean, you would think that he lost his best friend but it's just a volleyball. And you watch this scene and you see this and you're just kind of thinking, man, that is so wild that something like that could happen. But you know, as I was thinking about that and thinking about this series, it just kind of dawned on me one day. You know, some of us, we've put ourselves in places in our life where we live in kind of self-induced castaway lives. We, we've, we've chosen to kind of put ourselves in places where we isolate ourselves from others. And here's what happens, is because we were made and created to have relationship, when we do that to ourselves, when we isolate ourselves and try to go at it alone, what ends up happening is we begin to form warped relationships. And we end up having these kind of Wilson relationships where we care more about things than we care about people. And we even value things and we value job titles and we value uh, what we can accomplish more than we value the people around us, be it family, be it friends, be it our own kids. And it's a warped, it's a warped way of thinking. But, but understand this, it's a way of thinking that is normal in the world that we live in today. Because at, at the heart of what happened when man fell in scripture, when sin entered the world, was a breach in relationships took place. See, when, when Adam sinned and Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, the relationship between God and man got messed up. And then not too long after that, we see that the relationship between husband and wife in that moment became, becomes messed up. And, and God says that to Eve, you'll want to, to lord over him, but, but it's not going to work. You're going to have this, this tension in your relationship. And then not too long after that, we see that their children, this begins to move into their relationship and brothers become breached in their relationships together. And, and we see that Cain and Abel get in this, this fight over something and Cain ends up killing his brother. And in that moment, as God comes to Cain in that moment and says, you know, where is your brother? 
Cain's response to, to God is, am I my brother's keeper? And we see in that statement the mentality of the world that we live in today. Is it my responsibility to care about other people? I'm my own person. I'm my own man. This is about me, not others. And that kind of thinking, that warped perception is what enters into the world. And let me just tell you, that's one of the enemy's chief schemes against you. In fact, point number four today is this. The enemy hates community. The Bible says this in 1 Peter 5, 8. Your enemy, okay, understand this. You have an enemy, okay, and here's who he is. The devil. Every one of us has an enemy. His name is the devil or Satan, and he does not like you. And it goes on to say, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, if you know anything about the way that a lion hunts, because we're told here that he prowls like a lion seeking whom he may devour. If you've ever studied how lions hunt, one of the things they do is they look at a herd and they begin to watch that herd and they study the herd. And what they're looking for in the herd is an animal within the herd that begins to pull away from the rest of the herd and begins to isolate itself. And they're seeking that one who will pull away so that they can devour it. Because they know that in the community, in the whole herd, it's tough for them to go and attack. But if they can get one off by itself, they can hurt it. So they'll, they'll watch and they'll wait and they'll, they'll, they'll sit in the, in, in the tall grass and they'll hide out and not make themselves known so that they can go in for the kill when the time comes. And over time, when they get that, that animal right where they want it to be, they, they set it up and put it into a trap that hurts it. And you know, that's the same thing that the enemy does to us. The devil is watching us. And he's waiting and he's looking for us to put ourselves in a situation where we're isolated from the world around us so that he can come in and he can attack you. You know, i got to be honest with you today. This community thing, this has not been a strength of mine. I, I grew up in, in church, as many of you know, and in the movement of church that I kind of grew up in, I, I got some bad thinking, and it, most of it was, was self-induced, but, but I, I grew up in what was called the faith movement, and in, inside the faith movement, sometimes there would be this kind of thinking, at least I developed this, of thinking that if, if I am struggling, then I'm not being a man of faith, and so I can't let anyone know you know, if I'm struggling, because that's a sign of weakness. And I've got to be a man of faith. And so I've got to, if there's a problem, I've got to isolate myself. I've got to take care of that on my own. And, and it's me and God, so we can do this. And so I, that's kind of how I grew up. And, and, and in the church world that I grew up in, it was like, you know, you do your job. Everybody else will do their job. And if we all just do our jobs, everything will be fine. And in my early 20s, I found myself trying to do life that way. And I was failing miserably. And I had these areas in my life that I had hidden away because they were areas of weakness that I was hiding away and I was trying to overcome on my own. And I was trying to be a man of faith. But let me just tell you, I was getting my head kicked in by the enemy. And I was not winning and I was, I was losing. And, and I'm looking at myself and I'm thinking, what is wrong with me? Why can't I, why can't I overcome this? Why can't I... Get over this. My dad is a pastor. I've grown up in church. I should know better. I know what the word says. I know this is wrong. I know I shouldn't be doing this. And, and, and also, I also felt like I'm the only one struggling with this. 
because I had no community around me at all. And so finally, over time, things came out, and I began to start talking to people about some of the things I was dealing with and about the problems that I was facing. And you know what was amazing to me? I remember talking to my friends and I'd say, hey, you know, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what's going on in my heart. These are the things I'm struggling with. And I kid you not, every time, seriously, every time I would talk to somebody about the things that I was struggling with, the things that I was dealing with, I would hear this, you know, I'm struggling with that same stuff. Which was amazing to me because here I am thinking I'm the only one. Here I am trying to do this on my own, trying to overcome this. And now I'm discovering that other people are in the exact same boat as me, struggling with the same stuff. And as I begin to talk about it, we begin to talk about it, and I begin to form relationships and build community and build accountability into my life. You know what I found? Freedom. I found the help that I needed. I found the guidance. I found strength that I could draw on from other people. And listen, that's what God wants for each and every one of us. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for us to try to go at life alone. God never intended for us to do things that way. And so that's what this series is all about. In fact, today our fifth point is this, that Jesus' church is community. Jesus' church is community. God wants us as a church. Because see, here's what happened. After everything happened and the fall of man and this breach happened within relationships and everything got messed up, Jesus came to fix the problem. And he came to build relationships back and to, to bring things back to how they were in, in, in the beginning, to bring us back to Eden. And so Jesus comes, he dies on the cross, and he pays the price for sin. And then before he leaves, he establishes something. He establishes the church. And the church is not established as like an industry or, or a, a business or something. It's established as a family as a community, for something for us to come together and, and work together to, to build each other up and to create back to that kind of relationship place that the world was in before the fall of man. Look at this, Acts chapter 2. This is amazing. This is the very beginning of the church. And let me just tell you today, we are an extension of this today. We are an extension of what is happening here. New Song is continuing on with this same legacy. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over, over them all. Notice all of them, not just the people in the church, but everyone, as they would look at this, they were in awe of what they were seeing, because look at what it says next. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Wow. God was doing something amazing through a group of people. And what I love about this is, know this, the world is not perfect, and the church is not perfect. But you know what can be perfect is the kind of relationships that bring us back to where God intended things to be, for us to be living life together in a kind of community that says, we are for each other, we're there to help each other, we're here to pray for each other, we're here to lift each other up, to build each other up. 
And that's what was happening here. Amazing things are happening. And miracles are now starting to take place. People are being healed. And people are being generous. And let me just tell you, generosity is a miracle. It's a miracle that sometimes people over, overlook. But man, when people are willing to sell the things that they have in order to give that to people who are in need, that's a miracle because that's not normal. But God is up to something within the church and he's doing something. And listen, that's what God wants to do in our lives today. He wants us to have the kind of lives where we can lean on each other. We can look to each other. We can grow together. We can help other people to see Jesus in a more real way. You know, what's interesting is, is Paul wrote so much of the New Testament, and there's a phrase that he uses 27 times, more times than any other phrase that he uses in Scripture, and it's the phrase, one another. He uses it over and over and over again. He says that we're to be devoted to one another. We're to live in harmony with one another. We're to love one another, accept one another. We're to instruct one another, serve one another. And on and on he goes with all of these one another's. And the reason that he says that is because one another says it's not just about me. It's about us. And in a world that we live in today that looks at everyone around us and says, am I my brother's keeper? This kind of thinking that says, I'm about not just me, but I'm about everybody. I'm about being the hands and feet and an extension of Jesus Christ in the world that we live in today. That's what I'm about. The world looks at that and they say, this doesn't make any sense. We are in awe of what is going on. And I believe that that is what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to build that into our lives. He wants to create that kind of life for each and every one of us where we are in community. Listen, we were created from this. We were created for this. We function best in this. We have an enemy that wants to keep us from this. He wants to isolate you and pull you away from it. But Jesus' church is community. It's a place we can come together and be a part of this. I'll show you one more thing. Back to Acts 2. In verse 46, it says this. It says they, they, they did two things. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Now, that's kind of the big group that came together, right? And that's, that's where we are today. This is our big group. We come together as a church, you know, and we worship together and we have fellowship together. But listen, it's very easy to come into this big group. And even though there's a lot of people around you, to connect with nobody. It's real easy to do that. And you know, here's the thing, and I I, I don't doubt that maybe some of you are are here. There's a risk that comes with relationships. You ever notice that? One thing I've discovered about people, people can be difficult, (laughs) right? People can be unpredictable. I've even seen in the church, you know, we're, four months old as a church, and I've seen situations where we really have worked to try to help people, and we've seen them basically come back and spit in our face over it. You know, maybe there's some of you in here, and you've been hurt in relationships. You've had people hurt you. You've had people let you down. You've had people abandon you. You've had people speak things over you. And, and so there's a little bit of you that goes, yeah, you know, I, I can do this on my own. I've got God, and that's, that's all I need. Listen, God looks at that way of thinking and says, no, it's not good. It's doable, but it's not good. 
And here's what I want for you as a church. I want a good life for every one of you. You know, I've seen in my life, in the community of my life, in those settings where I had one-on-one individual kind of relationships with people, most of the major breakthroughs and major moments of my life have taken place in those kind of one-on-one settings. I remember being in a situation where a guy was talking to me about forgiveness one day, and he shared something with me in a small kind of community, a small group setting, shared something that changed my life. I mean, completely changed my life. I've been in situations where I've, I've gotten to know the hurts and the pains that people are dealing with, and it expanded my heart for people, for loving others. I've, I've, I've been in situations where I've heard people talk, and I was able to, to grow in my immaturity from, and draw from their maturity. I was able to, to draw from their strength in areas that I was weak. God's done some amazing things in my life, in the small groups of my life. I believe that the same is true for you. That we are a church, and yes, we are a church that comes together and and has big services and does worship and has big family, big temple type situations, but we also want to be a church that meets together because in those small group settings is where real enrichment and life takes place, and I believe that with all my heart. And so here's what I want to encourage you. Uh, Over the next few weeks, in fact, today as you leave, we're, we're launching our groups in the beginning of February. And I would love for everyone in our church to be in a group. I really would. Because I know how good it can be for your life. And we've tried to set up groups in such a way that you can find a place that fits you well. And, and listen, groups is not just about us getting together and having like a worship service. And we're not going to call on you to sing the national anthem before the group starts or anything like that. Sometimes groups is just getting together and hanging out, doing fun activities together. Sometimes groups is about you calling up someone who's hurting. And, you know, you hear about something that's going on in someone's life and you speaking into that or you being being there, just knowing that they're there. You bring them a meal when something happens. But if we can create that kind of environment where we are really connecting and locking arms together, I believe that there is no limit to what God can do through this church and there's no limit to what he can do in your life. And listen, it will be good. It'll be really good. Uh, Next week, we're gonna continue to talk about this. In fact, next week, I'm gonna talk to you about five benefits of partnership and what Jesus taught us. Jesus has some amazing teaching on, on how we partner together. And I wanna encourage you to be here for that next week. But today, if you would, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to just take a moment. And we like to say this here at New Song a lot as we close services. And that is this, what is God saying to you today? What is God speaking to you today? God created us from community. God created us for community. Outside of community is not good. And our enemy knows that, and he wants to drive us away and put us into solitary confinement and create warped relationships in our life. But the church is to help us find balance, to help us to get into the right kind of relationships where we can make an impact and where God can impact us in a greater way. So I want to encourage you today to be a part 
of our new song groups. As you're leaving today, you're going to see there's a bunch of banners in the lobby, these green banners. They say, we are better together, and they say community on them. And by them, there's these little, these little sign-up sheets. I want to encourage you, just sign up today, okay? Just do it, and just go for it. And if you have questions, we'll answer those. We, we want to help you. We want to help you find the right group that works for you, but we would love for everybody to find connection through groups today. I want to invite our altar ministry team to come down at this time. If, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, we would love to pray with you over that. Or if there's any other prayer need that you may have today, these people are down here and they would love to pray with you. They would love to, to lay their hands on you and just agree with you in faith for what God wants to do. We believe that we are more, we are better together. And in prayer, the Bible talks about how one can put a thousand to flight, but two, 10,000, that there's a, there's a multiplication that takes place. And the power of prayer is increased as we come together and join together in prayer. So what we're going to do now, if you would, would you stand with me? We're going to go back into a worship song. And as we're worshiping, if you have any need of prayer, I want to just encourage you to come forward and to pray with one of our altar ministry teams. But if not, just take a, take this moment here. Let God seal this word in your heart and just take a moment to worship him and thank him for all that he's done for you. Lord, we, we pray that you would draw every person.